It's something for nothing. The Rush Fan Cast, Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, our trip to St. Catharines a few weeks ago was very fruitful, don't you think? Yes, it has yielded many a guest and interesting stories so far. So far, and we've got another guest today that we met in St. Catharines a few weeks ago, and I can't wait to talk to him. That's true. It was fun talking to him, though, at the time. Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fan Cast. Instagram. See all Jerry's fun pictures at the Rushcast. Email Jerry, therushcast at gmail.com. The base intro and outro, as always, done by our pal Lex. Subscribe, rate, review us on your favorite podcast app. That helps us very much. And also, what helps us very much is Jerry reading an email. Please. That's, I tell you, Steve, after all these years, such great segues. <laughs> Still, I don't know how you come up with them every week. Well, this is from Brian. It's very short. But he says, uh, I just listened to your latest episode about a night for Neil. And when you spoke about Solar Federation playing the Necromancer, you said you didn't think Rush ever played that whole song. But it turns out, Steve, that we're, of course, wrong. And by we being wrong, it was me that said that. And I was wrong. And I was thinking about the Fountain of Lamneth. Right. Which we talked about before. We're not sure if Rush ever played that live. We haven't been able to verify that. Yeah, that's true. But in not being able to verify it, basically you're verifying that they never played it. <laughs> yes. Right? And, and according to setlist.fm, which we check regularly to find out how many times a Rush song was played, the Necromancer was played 27 times on tour. So I'm assuming it was only played on the Caress of Steel tour. I would think so. But also... Setlist.fm says that the Fountain of Lamneth was played four times. Now, I don't know how accurate that is. Yeah, I don't know. But the thing you have to remember is Setlist is kind of the Wikipedia of Setlist. So, right. Anybody can. Yeah. Some Rush fan who was totally stoned back in the 70s <laughs> may have thought he heard the Fountain of Lamneth, but didn't really hear it, right? Right. Who knows what song it was? Could have been a cover of, you know, a bad company song. Who knows? Yes. Brian also sent us over a link to a YouTube video of Rush playing the Necromancer back in 1975, I think. So we've got proof. We've got proof. If you want to play a little bit of it, it's pretty cool. I would love to play a little bit of it. Here it is. sound quality isn't the greatest nope but that is the necromancer it is the necromancer now i tried i was going to give the youtube uh url but it was kind of long so i went to tiny url i don't know if you're familiar with tiny url no you could put in any url 
I'm just going to say URL a thousand times. <laughs> you could put in any URL into this website, tiny URL, and it will give you a shorter version of the URL. Okay. But when I did that, it was just about as long as the YouTube <laughs> one. So why don't you just go, if you want to hear this whole version of the Necromancer, just go to YouTube and, and search for Rush the Necromancer Live 1975. Or you can email us and Jerry will send you the link. Oh, that's true. You know what I'll do? I'll put it in the email that I send out every week for this episode. And if you're not on our email list, join our email list and then you'll get it. Then you'll get it. Simple as that. Thanks very much for the email, Brian. Thanks for listening. Thanks for pointing out our mistake or my mistake, I should say. It was both of our mistakes, Steve. Let's, let's both take. Yeah, I'll blame you too, because you could have corrected me and you didn't. <laughs> well, I don't actually listen to what you say. So that's the problem. <laughs> As I mentioned, today on the Rush FanCast, we're lucky enough to have one of the most recognizable figures in the Rush universe, Jer. The man who was the model for the Rush Starman logo, Bob King. Welcome to the Rush FanCast. Well, thank you for inviting me. Really appreciate you being here. Cool. We'd like to start out by asking our guest, Bob, their Rush origin story. Okay. When did you first hear Rush, and how did you become a fan? Well, it's more when did I first get to kind of meet and know Neil. We're both from, grew up in St. Catharines, and I used to be in the music business. I used to be a singer and a guitarist. And in St. Catharines, there was sort of a circuit. Uh, even though Neil, of course, was doing different music than I was, more of a folk guy, there's a, a circuit of places to play, and everybody knew everybody else. And so that's sort of my introduction to, to Neil. And then through the years, my friend, Hugh Syme, who, as you know, is the, the main graphic engine behind the band's album covers and any media that they produce. Hughie and I have known each other for probably since we were 10 years old in St. Catharines. And we used to work together on music. And uh, Huey is a, a keyboard player. I'm a guitar player. And we used to do our stuff together, but create things. And then Hugh, being the fabulous artist that he is, he was getting involved with doing the album covers. And we would collaborate as we collaborated in our music and in our friendship. And we'd bounce ideas around. Hugh would say, look, I'm doing this thing. And what do you think? And uh, that's how I got involved. And the actual Starman situation happened one night doing that, exactly. We were in a photography studio, and Hugh had just finished a meeting with Neil. Uh, it wasn't a live meeting. It was a teleconference-type situation all those years ago. And um, Neil was saying about his ideas of the Starman and uh, fighting oppression and the star being the oppression and Starman won against the world, pushing it back. And so Hugh and I talked about it that night in the studio. And um, Huey said, listen, why don't you be the Starman? You, because I had a, also a uh, background. I used to do modeling and I used to do um, television commercials, that sort of thing. So it was a sort of a perfect fit at the time. So we just, we did it. You know, we had the photographers, name was Yash Shinoyu, and uh, Huey said, sort of said, okay, stand like this, and um, we'll do this. And at the time, I had no idea that it was going to be a big thing, you know, and, and their logo. 
And nobody did, really. You know, it was just a one album thing at the time, you know. And that's sort of the um, sort of how the Starman came about and uh, my involvement and how it was that I became the Starman. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about meeting Neil when you were doing the circuit? Because so you knew him before he was even in Rush. Yes. And you also met him in London when he was in London. How did, how did you find yourself over there? Yeah, that's right. What happened was it was 1971 and we had known each other, not very well prior to that. But in 1971, I was hitchhiking through Europe with my friend Len Penichetti. And uh, we landed in London. And the first place we went there was the Piccadilly Circus. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a big like Times Square type place, a lot of little shops and things like that. And we were walking around as tourists, just looking around. And who do we bump into but Neil? And he was at that time working, I understand, at a, uh, a record store in London. And uh, this was, he was in London basically to try to get into a rock band. You know, that's what he was doing in 71. And it's interesting, the night that I met both you guys, I had a conversation with, Neil's sister, Nancy, and Neil's mother, Betty. And I had told her that story. And she says, oh, I went to visit him when he was working over there in the record store. So she was in London when I was in London and when obviously her son, Neil, was in London. And yeah, that was an interesting uh, coincidence, I guess. I'll tell you another story about, I'll expand upon another story concerning Neil. I used to have a restaurant, a bar in St. Catharines. And uh, one winter night, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning after I closed up the bar, I was going to drive home and I went up to a stoplight. It was in the middle of the night, winter, snow, and um, a car approached me from the other side of the stoplight and flashed his lights at me. And I didn't know who it was, but it was the same car as my car. At the time, I was driving a, a Mercedes sports coupe. And who comes out of the car but Neil? And uh, Neil said, Bob, he says, I see you're missing the star on the front of your car. I guess I must have banged into something and it, it came off. And he says, I can take care of that for you. And uh, he goes to the back of his car, which he had the same car as I did, and opens a trunk, gets his little box out. And in the box was a little three-pointed star. And that was way before the star man thing so it's kind of a, a bit of interesting coincidence again yeah so he just had a whole extra box of spare hood ornaments yeah he was a motorhead he was a real car man back then even when when i knew him and uh i guess he figured he'd he'd get a few extras for his own car because if that happened to him and he just right. happened to have it in the car and it's funny in the meantime the guy my mechanic now he used to be neil's his father used to be Neil's mechanic on his sports cars. And we've had a couple of conversations about Neil and being a real motorhead. And um, a nice fellow, his name is John in St. Catharines. Now, when Neil reached out to Hugh Syme to do the Caress of Steel cover for the first time, was Hugh running in those same circles as you and Neil back in the day? Is that where he knew Hugh from? Well, yeah, Hugh sort of went at it from a different approach he at that time was more a musician he was playing in a band called the ian thomas band out of hamilton i don't know uh, how old you guys are but it used to be a hit record called painted ladies uh, and that was by 
Ian Thomas, and Huey played keyboards in his band. Now, Ian's management company was the same management company as Rush's. So Huey had done an album cover for Ian. And uh, in the office, Neil was there one time and saw it and said, who did that? That's really cool. I like that. And so that's how the introduction between Neil and Hugh began, you know, how that interaction began. And I remember talking many times over the years with Hugh saying that the professor, as you know, Neil, he had a really good communication understanding with Huey so that all of these concepts for the subsequent albums basically were created just on a phone call with um, Hugh's um, original ideas based on the fuel that Neil would give him. And then Hugh took it from there. So that's how Hugh started doing stuff for Rush. Now, on the day that you posed for the yeah. 2112 Starman. Yes. So it was basically just like, hey, do you want to do this, Bob? Like just off the cuff kind of thing, like you just were there? Yes, that's it. And of course, you know, that after, I don't remember it so, so far back that afternoon if we had earlier discussions about it or not. But I think basically that was the, my purpose of being there was to create this character and physically create what was imagined by Neil. And we need a, a physical manifestation of this guy that represents fighting authority. And uh, so I think, yeah, I'm sure that we would have had conversations, Huey and I, not Neil. I never communicated with Neil after that early point. All Anything that was done creatively for the covers was just between Hugh and I with the input originally from Neil. I saw a quote from Hugh that said, apart from being a dear friend, speaking of you, he's also a cheap model. Do you remember <laughs> how much you got paid to pose for that? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> That's really cheap. Yeah, yeah. Nothing for any of it. Like not, I think it was, uh, what were the other ones? Uh, exit stage left. Uh -huh. I was on a different character wearing a boulder hat and a briefcase. And then um, on hemispheres as well, the same character, you know, that where I'm standing on a brain and there's a ballet dancer, a nude ballet mm -hmm. dancer. So each of those jobs, you just asked you, hey, can you do this? And you did it for nothing. Yes, that's right. Same with moving pictures. Wow. Same deal. It was like that, that, that was sort of a, because at the time when Huey was starting out, you know, there wasn't a big budget for all of this. You know, he would get hired by the record company. And then like any of us in starting in any business, we want to keep our costs as low as possible. And so I guess Hugh liked to do it, knew that I could do it. And I had various characters I could portray. So that's what happened. No, I never did get paid for it. Hmm. Now, please tell me that there are some outtake photos of you, like giving the finger to the star or something, right? <laughs> no, there are not. If, if there are, I'm sure Hugh would have. You know, he, he had quite a um, inventory of keepsake items from his career with rush you know and original art and things like that as a matter of fact when he was doing the county the book for uh the uh rush covers and things that coffee table book mm -hmm. yeah the art of rush yeah the art of rush he called me and he asked me if he could borrow from me uh i had uh, i have i own the original drawing of the back of on 2112 of the waterfall 
Wow. And there's a drawing of that Huey did. And uh, he gave it to me as a gift years ago. And I lent it to him. And uh, I don't I don't have it back. <laughs> yeah, it's a joke. So I, I keep on calling him and asking him, hey, can I have please have my drawing back? And but at least recently, though, he sent me a um, hardcover book cover of that book uh, in a travel rock roll travel case. You know, the kind like if you were moving equipment. Yeah, like a road case. That, that, I think it's called the Premier Edition. And so he gave me one of those. And uh, But I still i am waiting to get my uh, original drawing. I have a place, a hole on the wall now that's used to be a picture. I had it framed years ago. And it's not there anymore. So he better, if he's watching this, he better uh, get that back. <laughs> you never know. Now on the Hemispheres cover, Bob, yes. was there any discussion of you playing the part of the naked man on the cover as opposed to the man in the hat? No, no, uh-uh. Because I think the character was already created and Hugh wanted to reprise that on the cover. And uh, so, I, you know, obviously I couldn't do both. And the fellow who did that is a ballet dancer in Toronto, or was at the time, a ballet dancer. So no, because I, I think was uh, Exit Stage Left, was that album out before Hemispheres or after? That was after. Okay, well then, uh, no, I, no, I don't think, that, I don't remember discussing it with Hugh and, and being the ballet dancer nude guy no i maybe because i was already nude guy already <laughs> <laughs> right yeah you know we talked to hugh a while ago and one of the things he said is that he really considers himself a musician yes as opposed to an artist or a graphic designer or an art director as he calls himself sometimes yes so and you were in the musician world with him yes how do you feel about that do you consider him more of a musician than an artist? I think that his talent, he's multi-talented, but I think that I, I see him more as an artist, as a graphic artist and creator of images. And it's, he does it in such a way that there's always double entendre in what he does in, in like um, moving pictures, as you know, move, we were moving pictures and the signals with the Dalmatian peeing on the fire hydrant. That's double entendre, you know? But as far as, He's an excellent keyboardist, and he's got a real good feel for it. And we, we've talked about this in the past. We've created some music together. As a matter of fact, I have an old um, cassette, which I've made into a, what do you call it when you stick on the side of the computer? Uh, I converted it to a, what is it called? That little thing that you stick on the side. It's like a USB stick or? Yeah, USB. And on that, he and I went up to York University, and we recorded this series of songs that i had written and some of the backs like the keyboards and th things huey put in as if like his own interpretation of what we, you know it's like doing a song uh, like a re redo of a song that say elton john did and many of other people do it and they create their own juices afterwards and it sometimes sounds better by the second person doing it well that i've always thought about huey like that he salt and peppered all the stuff that he got involved with his first thing that he did in the way of an actual professional recording there was a guy in toronto a group called luke and the apostles and the guy's name was luke gibson and i don't know where luke heard huey play piano but he hired hugh for his first uh, recording as a keyboard player 
And I think that there, again, that there's that big group of musicians. Everybody knows everybody in Toronto at that time, like Yorkville and that whole movement. I, you're probably not familiar with that. It's like probably the village in uh, New York city mm -hmm. at the time, you know, it was, uh, you know, but as far as Hugh, I, great artist, obviously very successful artist and a great keyboard player. I don't know how much writing he does because he doesn't sing and he's a great on the keys. He plays guitar as well. But in answer to your question, I think I look at, at him more of a uh, graphic and visual artist, but he's an excellent musician as well. So he must be a great person to collaborate with. It sounds like he is just a, a kind of a generous spirit when it comes to collaborating. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, a very talented and very, uh, you know, I've known him so long. I remember when he used to do graphics on T-shirts, like as, as a young guy, you know, like you used to see these, ro these uh, hot rod uh, T-shirts even before he was a professional artist. Before that, that's what he used to do, just for fun, you know. Also, his mother and my mother were very close friends as well. But tragically, they both died very young. So, Bob, as you mentioned, Hugh Syme asked you back. He called you the prime mover on the Moving Pictures album cover. Can you tell us the story behind that one? I mean, you're on one of not only one of Rush's most iconic album covers, but one of Rock's most iconic album covers. Yeah. Well, I remember, again, it was, a, it was so common for Hugh and I to do things together that it particularly didn't stand out to me any more than in any of the other ones. I think some of the other covers that I have an interesting story about moving pictures. Well, I remember, of course, you know, City Hall in Toronto. And, and I remember there was a, there used to be a, a musician in Toronto. His name was Kelly J for a group called Crowbar. And he was in on that cover as well. And again, everybody sort of knew everybody else. So they say, they make a phone call. Hey, you want to be on a album cover posed at this to one of the other people? And uh, he said, sure. So it, there wasn't a lot of um, discussion about it. Again, when it was happening, it was more that the set was there. The building itself was so impressive. It was like, okay, we're going to do it here. And this is what we're going to do. And then everything was done on the fly. You go over there, walk over there, you do this. And so that it was, there weren't, I don't have any particular memories about that, but I could tell you about uh, another one that I do have a particular memory about. And that was Farewell to Kings. What we did on that one. I used to travel back and forth to the States a lot at that time. And uh, I used to scout locations and remember locations for things that might be interesting for some of the projects. And at that time, they were tearing down a lot of buildings in Buffalo, New York. And so I said to Huey, listen, he, we talked about the idea of uh, the album cover. And I said, let's shoot it in Buffalo because there's lots of buildings there that are all demolished and it's perfect. So we hopped into a van, we rented all the props for the king chair and, and such, set it up, went through customs. And uh, at that time, it was very easy to go through customs into the States. And we uh, set up the chair in front of this demolished building. And the photographer was taking the pictures of the guy sitting in the chair. His name was uh, Josh Anderson. And Josh played guitar in Ian Thomas's band with Huey. So that's again how he got involved. And a lot of the different characters who just, hey, if you know somebody, they'd be perfect for the part. So why don't you do this? And they'd say, sure. And that's what Josh did. He's the fellow that's a puppet 
in the uh, chair. Of course, retouched greatly by Hugh at the time. And there were not no uh, computer-generated uh, graphics at that time. It was all done by hand. And the same with um, 2112. That's the shot on the cover. Looks like there's water, rippling water over top of 21. Well, that was actually rippling water. And it was, okay, we got the lit, uh, light, the red light in a certain way and shook the pan that the letters were in in order to create that. It wasn't computer generated, you know, so it was more, it was much more difficult to do then than it's, that it is today. So were you ever employed by Hugh? Because it sounds like you were around a lot for all of these different things. No, 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 no. It was just more of a collaboration, more of a an exchange of ideas and uh, creative involvement. That's what, no, no. And Hugh and I were always friends from an early age. So it was, it was more of a, I, I don't know, I've, I haven't really thought about that end of it, but I have done a lot, not just on the Rush projects, but on other ones as well. We did a cover for it was a Canadian band called, what was it? Well, his name is Kim Mitchell. You ever heard of Kim Mitchell? Oh, yes, sure. Yeah. Well, we did uh, High Heel shoes or something or uh, something in high heel shoes that we did that cover. So I worked with Huey on that and um, something else. I forget. Hugh also did some work for a Gowan, Larry Gowan from, he sings now with my son. Uh, Sticks, Lawrence Gowan of Sticks. Sticks. Yeah. He used to have his own thing together happening in Toronto. I wanted to ask you another thing about the exit stage left cover. Paula Turnbull who appears on the permanent waves cover also appears on this cover. Did you work with her that day? Well, I'm sure I did because I was there <laughs> and, uh, but I had worked with her in the past because I was, as I mentioned, I was, uh, involved in television commercials and, and modeling. And she was a real high end Toronto model at the time. And I'm, I, I do remember doing some shooting with her, not, for commercials, but some still shots for, we used to do a lot of uh, catalog work, like for Sears and Eaton's and that sort of thing. And she was a, a real um, sought after model at the time. And I was doing a lot of clothing and I was doing a lot of beer commercials, uh, beer shot car commercials. And she was involved in the same thing at the same time. So we were doing things together prior to that particular shot. Yeah. And I don't have any specific memories of Paula Turnbull working with her because, you know, you, you, at the time you're working with so many different girls and guys, you don't specifically, it's only after the fact that somebody will say that's Paula Turnbull on that rush cover. You know what I mean? And prior, while it was happening and before it was happening, Paula Turnbull was just a, was a very attractive, good model that everybody wanted to use, you know? So that's, how that worked, but I did work with her in the past. So how do you uh, feel about your place in Rush history? You're, you're on so many of these album covers, worked on some of them, but yet a lot of people, you know, wouldn't recognize you obviously as you're walking down the street. I don't mind that at all. <laughs> I, really. I don't mind it at all. I, I think that it's an interesting topic of conversation, you know, when uh, I'll be, uh, I like to play poker and I'll be at the poker table and somebody will, um, uh, have a rush t-shirt with my picture on it or something like that. <laughs> and, and they'll start saying things. I say, Oh, by the way, do you know, that's, say, that's me on there. No, we don't believe that. That's not you. So sure it is. <laughs> then unfortunately we have the internet now and I could punch something in and, and 
prove to them that that indeed that uh, my image is on their shirt, you know. How about meeting fans, Bob? We met you outside the A Night for Neil yeah. show, and the fans were lining up to talk to you. They love taking photos with you, and you looked like you love speaking to them. So tell us about that. Well, I do. It's funny. Since then, I've had conversations about that night and about anything else that we might do in that up that vein. And um, I really enjoy these people that come from all over and they they want to talk to me and take my picture they feel that they're closer to rush they feel that by meeting me and talking to me and taking my picture with them that they're part of their this thing that they the, of the group rush and part of that whole thing that all their life meant so much to them and talking to some of these people was really cool this uh, husband and wife you know talking about their first song when they got married was um a rush song and and their first date was a rush concert you know and that sort of thing they've been married for 35 years now that kind of it makes me feel good because it makes i can see the sparkle in their eyes when we're having a conversation you know i like that make making people feel good and how about the night for neil show itself how was it taking part in that and what did you think of the show it was great it was great and it was really i liked it I liked because I nice liked meeting Nancy, Neil's sister, and uh, and Neil's mother Betty, and uh, I I was informed by watching the videos, and uh, I was impressed by Neil's impact in different areas of creative things, you know, with his different with his writing and that sort of thing. I learned a lot about Neil that I didn't know. Not only that he was a great musician and drummer, but these other areas. And I thought it was a real tribute to him because he deserved it, you know. And I, my limited experience with Neil, personally, I always thought he was a very obviously generous and good man. You know, that the whole incident with the star and my car and his, you know, him giving me that. Like, he didn't have to do that, but he wanted to because he, he you know, was trying to help me out, you know. And I, I appreciated that. So it gives you a little bit of insight into what Neil was like as a person, you know. Now, Jerry and I were also very impressed by St. Catharines itself. What a great little town that is. We hadn't spent any time there. Do you still live there, Bob? Yeah, I do. I do. That's where I am right now. I, uh, I've li- I was born there, and uh, my wife and I and my daughter, we've lived in Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is very nearby, in Niagara Falls at first when we got married, but moved back to St. Catharines, and I just, my wife and I and my daughter built a house in St. Catharines here uh, a few years ago where I'm speaking from now. And uh, yeah, I love St. Catharines. It's, it's close to Toronto. It's close to the U S for me. And uh, it's a pretty city and uh, you know, roots here. So I, I like it here. Yeah. I really like the downtown. There were like three record shops. So Steve and I went to, went to those and browsed around. It was great. Well, you know, it used to be Neil met his first wife. She worked in a record store on St. Paul Street, right where you were, right. uh, Sam the Record Man. And that's where Neil's first wife worked. Her family, I think, owned the record store or something like that. Don't remember exactly. But. Well, Bob, thanks so much for joining us today to share your stories. You are a true gentleman. We really appreciate you joining us today on the Rush Fancast. Well, it was my pleasure. And uh, again, it was very nice to meet you guys that night. And uh, it's a pleasure tonight. So, Jer, what a nice guy, huh? 
Yeah, well, he was he was great when we met him outside of the Meridian Center too. Just talking with everyone, just a gregarious guy who was just happy to talk to anyone. It was great. I am just so surprised by the fact that he worked. I'm putting quotes up. Worked with <laughs> Hugh right. Syme for so many years and didn't make a dime. He was just kind of hanging out with Hugh, <laughs> and Hugh would just give him stuff to do. Well, you can you can imagine, you know, and maybe at the time, you know, Rush wasn't, I guess, that huge, right? I guess until right. moving pictures came out. So it's just like, hey, you want to do this thing? What, what are you doing on Saturday? You want to do this thing with us? I'm like, yeah, sure, I guess so. Why not, right? And I guess if I asked you, hey, Jerry, you want to be on a Rush album cover for free? What would you say? I'd say yes, of course. I mean, if somebody came up to me right now, which is like, hey, do you want to be on this album cover? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Why not? Why not, right? What about if they asked you to strip down to be on the album cover? Then would you do it? Nobody would ask me that, Steve. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> but, you know, it's so interesting that he, like I said, he is this icon of Rush for years and years and years. I mean, that Starman logo is basically their de facto logo. Yeah. Neil used to put it on his on his bass drum it's everywhere still on t-shirts to this day it's one of the most recognizable icons in all of music so it's just cool that bob's the guy yeah and it's cool that he embraces that role too just to watch him like i said outside the meridian center posing for pictures with all the fans and not only that but having long conversations with him and just having a great time yeah he's just a, a generous nice guy like most Rush fans, right? Like most Rush fans. Like you, Steve. Oh, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at The Rush Cast. Email Jerry. Let him know what you thought of our conversation with Bob King. The Rush Cast at gmail.com. Bass intro and outro. That is Lex. And Jerry, I hope you have a great quote to wrap this up for us. Yeah, I can imagine you know what it's from, right? I hadn't even thought about it. What's it no, from? Right. It's from 2112, of course. Of course. We've taken care of everything. The words you read, the songs you sing, the pictures that give pleasure to your eyes. It's one for all and all for one. We work together, common sons. Never need to wonder how or why. Awesome. Thanks, Jer. All right. See you later. Thank you.